Before I start this episode, I want to thank my Canadian listeners from the bottom of my heart. Um, I thank you guys so much for the support you've given me this past year. Um, when I started this podcast, I, I, I didn't think I was going to get more than maybe 500 or 1,000 listens. But after after a year and a couple of months, I'm, I've had over 24 thousand people download my podcast and um i'm really appreciate appreciative to you guys in canada that um that that follow this podcast and um you know i i i I try to do some episodes for you guys whenever i can and i really enjoy learning about what's going on in canada i really enjoyed our interview with um justin summers of um of memories on hand which is an interview you should, you should check out if you haven't already but um we're learning we're looking at what's going on in canada very closely in the states um you know we're we're one of a few regions in, in the world that have it legal so we're all learning from each other and um again thank you all canadians for um taking time out of your schedule to listen to my podcast and i hope to entertain you guys and do what i'm doing for um for cannabis and talking about cannabis with you guys for many more years to come. And without further ado, let's get to the episode. Hey y'all, welcome to the I Am Cannabis Sativa podcast. I am your host, Dan Scotland. If you're currently a medical marijuana patient and want to tell your story and be featured on the podcast, feel free to email me at Sativa at gmail.com. Feel free to hit me up on Instagram at Sativa. Feel free to check out our official Twitter account at IC Sativa Pod. You can also find and subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Anchor, Overcast, Radio Public, TuneIn, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and the Google Play Music Store. Please rate and review us on iTunes, as rating and reviewing us will bump up the pod on their algorithm and put this podcast in front of even more eyeballs. If you like what we are doing and you find yourself coming around often, please become a Patreon supporter of this podcast and support us. By supporting us, this helps us to keep the lights on, pay rent, pay for hosting, equipment, and travel. You can do this by going to HTTPS anchor.fm slash I am cannabis sativa podcast slash support. You can also support me now on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash I see sativa podcasts. You can support the podcast for as little as $1 a month. We also have a $5 tier if you're feeling extra generous. Hey y'all, hope you guys are having a very good one. Um, so I, I wanted to talk about this because, um, Canada is celebrating their one year anniversary of making adult use cannabis legal throughout the entire country, um, throughout all the provinces and, and what have you. And, um, I saw this really good, um, reflection of this one year anniversary from a cannabis pioneer and a cannabis influencer um by the name of Abby Roach who um she's been a cannabis pioneer in uh, in, in Canada for a very long time and she's a very well respected voice in in cannabis and a very 
very awesome um, woman of cannabis that's that's made huge contributions to the movement in in Canada. So, um, so I'm gonna read what she she said about the one year of um, Canada's legalization, and as we're as we're seeing Mexico. The, they're going to they're going to put through a bill that um, through their Congress that the um, that the president that the new president is going to sign because they promised that they were going because the the Mexican Supreme Court like once once something gets ruled on from how I understand it favorably five times then the then the lawmakers have to make a law to allow for it once the Supreme Court rules favorably several times on something. And the Supreme Court, through that fifth time, said that they had an October deadline, which is obviously we're half, we're more than halfway through October. So, you know, the Obrador is going to have something to sign any any second now. So, um, it would be great. Um, it would be great if we can just sort of all of us could learn from what Canada has done and could learn from you know their growing pains, learn from ways they did things well with legalization, ways they didn't do things well. So the um, new states like Illinois that's going to come up next year and, you know, when when the Mexican president signs it this year, it's obviously going to take until 2021 or later for everything to be up and running. So hopefully, hopefully they can, Mexico can learn from the mistakes of the U.S., of, of, of Massachusetts, Particularly, and hopefully they can learn from Canada's mistakes. So let's, without further ado, read this um, this reflection from Abby Roach. Cannabis legalization explained thus far. My normal Canada keynote speech to American normal delegates. Post legalization mandate speech for normal convention 2019 Washington D.C. In 2018, Canada took the bold step of becoming the first G7 nation to federally legalize cannabis for all adults. As liberal and exciting this concept seems in theory, it presented many regulatory challenges across the board from government to industry and most importantly, the public. Unlike state-by-state state U.S. legalization, which mostly ushered in by the voters on state, state ballot initiatives, Canada's cannabis legalization was a key point of the Liberal Party platform, which propelled the party to majority win in 2016. The basis for legalization was not for economic development. Our current Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, clearly campaigned on legalization as a public health and safety policy to reduce youth use and to stop organized crime. As stated, quote, Canada's current system of marijuana prohibition doesn't work. It doesn't prevent young people from using marijuana, and too many Canadians end up with criminal records for possessing small amounts of the drug. The liberal solution is clear. If we pass smart laws that tax and strictly regulate marijuana, we can better protect our kids while preventing millions of dollars from going into the pockets of criminal organizations and street gangs. End quote. Canada is geographically an extremely large country with a huge spread of population demographics, creating various challenges and concerns both socially and politically. It is a delicate balancing act of policy which 
has to respect the rights and autonomy of the provinces with their various populations. So, again, pretty similar to the U.S., um, legalization has looked different in every in in, in all. 10 or, or so states that have legalized we're at, we're at 10 that are that are on board to some degree um yeah about 10 illinois is the 11th uh, maine again they don't they don't have adult use open but um i mean if you if you were to check weed maps and you were to check your passenger pigeon you you can find it but i'm i'm, I'm digressing but yeah um the permutations have been very different according to the population of each particular state in the U.S. Um, according to, you know, the politicians, you know, the entrenched politicians, according to local governments, um, according to how long they've had medical. So that's that's shaped how recreational rollout has looked in all of these um, 10 states. So. So, yeah, I um, just want to sort of point that out. As much as people who work closely with the plant want laws to reflect what we know is right. Politicians, most of which do not understand the plant themselves, now have to create laws which respect 75% of Canadians who do not consume cannabis and are trying to understand and learn and live with this new social norm of a substance which has been demonized for nearly a century so yeah again um it's like this in my state too in Massachusetts um i remember reading one poll not too long ago that i think only 20 some percent of, of of people in the state or people that were polled are regular cannabis users we're still a minority this is still a deadhead issue and again a lot of people through their careers through um through the through the fact that they're raising children and starting a family, they they stop their cannabis use after their twenties, you know, whether for career advancement reasons, whether you know to raise children, or whether they just fall in favor, fall out of favor of the substance and want to break from it, you know. Again, us us people that listen to this podcast and download the podcast are, are we're we're still a minority, and our lawmakers, our lawmakers know that, and our lawmakers legislate with the majority who don't use in mind so we have to always be mindful that we're the minority here but let's continue legalization regulation was divided between three levels of government the production marketing and licensing of cultivators and processors is the duty of the federal government how the plan how the plant is grown, labeled, processed, and marketed is strictly controlled. Each province has full control of the supply chain logistics, retail and online outlets or licensing, and the regulations con surrounding consumption through various existing smoke-free acts, as well as opting in or out of the four-plant growing allowance. This patchwork of regulation vastly varies with within the 13 provinces and territories some provinces have a complete hands-off approach while others have complete control over the sale of cannabis products municipalities can only control how strictly they enforce the consumption regulations and can can't not be looser than 
and they may choose to opt in or out of retail outlets entirely. Canada, which was the world leader in medical cannabis, saw its medical program form in 2001 due to Supreme Court decisions reversing the status of medical marijuana. The MMAR program, or the Marijuana Medical Access Regulations, opened the door for legal cannabis industry to be formed, allowing for personal growth of medicine as well as designated, designated grower exemption. In, in 2014, the program was converted to the MMPR, which opened the door to a pharmaceutical industrialization of medical cannabis. The regulators understood that in order to service a rapidly growing number of medical patients across an entire nation, cannabis would have to be grown on a mass agricultural scale. What seemed to be the next logical step in the legalization of cannabis was to allow these large companies to convert to supply the adult use market. What seems logical is not always the best laid out plan. With large corporations came a large focus on investment and investor interest. We saw stock market cannabis bubble grow too big for the potential market, leaving out the limited amount of existing producers to be in a mad rush to produce numbers and not cannabis. Not only did this cause extreme product shortages and very low subpar quality overpriced and limited product, but it also bred a culture of corruption and mismanagement. We saw scandals come out in the public light of shortcuts, loopholes, and unethical practices. This puts the entire cannabis industry in a poor light to the public as unsafe, unethical, and put legalization itself in question completely. Canada has started to open up the diversity of licensing to create a more legacy market-inclusive environment. With the addition of micro-grower, nursery, and processing licenses, people who are current unlicensed farmers or growers now have an easier path to, to legal status. But this is not the only... This is, this is only step one in the life cycle of the legal cannabis product. Product diversity has been a challenge in the legal market. Whether it's the illicit market has a wide array of fantastic innovative products ranging from extracts to delicious edibles. The legal market has so far only been allowed to sell flour, pre-roll, and low-dose oils. CBD products are treated equally to THC ones. Only products made from industrial hemp seeds, roots, stems are allowed to be legally sold over-the-counter like any other consumer packaged goods. And the U.S. in and, and as the U.S. industry gets light years ahead in product creation due to relaxed product regulations and, most importantly, the passing of the farm bill. Canada is lagging behind all other cannabis-forward countries. The real risk for the industry is to fall completely out of the green race due to overregulation. Well, I mean, we have that in, in Massachusetts. We have a lot of overregulation. We... We make it so local and municipal governments can extort these cannabis businesses. We have it so it's so much bureaucracy and, and, and work that if you want to open an adult use dispensary, you're, you're having many of these companies hiring lawyers to, to get them through the bureaucracy. 
and you know it could still be months and months that you're sitting in the warehouse holding paying rent to the to the landlord of the warehouse or the landlord of the storefront it could be months that you're paying that rent and still waiting for you to go through each rung of the process and some people some people end up giving up because they can't afford the bureaucracy but um but yeah it's it's like that in the states too where um where we're seeing a lot of overregulation and Massachusetts again don't 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 legalize like how we did it you know go go more like like Colorado or Oregon but I digress when the US federally legalizes this will definitely be the case you are now seeing a mass race by cannab- can- Canadian companies to lock down American assets in order to get a foothold in product diversity and US market share in 2019, the Canadian market will see a massive bump in products with the introduction of edibles, oils, topicals, and vape pens into the legal market. Overregulation again will put a speed bump in the road to a completely legal market. For example, edibles will be maxed at 10 milligrams per package. Wow. Um, we, in, I think in my state, it's like um, it's 100 milligrams total for the edible, and I think it's five or 10 milligram servings, but 10, 10, 10 milligram top tops for an edible. That's, that's weak. Yeah. That's some fake legalization right there. We will see what consumers will want and continue to purchase in the legal market. The legal products also face the hurdle of excessive packaging and very limited brand diversity and marketing restrictions. Again, we have, we have pretty tight marketing restrictions in grass Massachusetts, So, and I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure Illinois is probably going to try to do the same too. Packaging must be childproof, made of plastic, with a limit of two colors and one logo. No art allowed. Even typeface is strictly controlled. The bland packaging has nine mandatory labeling areas of info, warnings, and stamps. But in cannabis products, packaging on par with tobacco regulations, even though it's does it co- doesn't cause any death or doesn't cause any lung cancer or anything like that. We're putting same amount of warnings and regulations as tobacco. What can go wrong with that? <laughs> the focus is on promoting reasonable, responsible use and also protecting minors, not brand recognition or purchase enticement. The actual marketing of cannabis brands is strictly controlled by Health Canada. Cannabis cannot be promoted with animals, representation of people, lifestyle promotion, or anything that would make cannabis enticing to a youth. Consider rum-infused ice cream and alcohol lemonades with fun and exciting packaging that can be advertised on bus stops and purchased with with relative ease. The repressive regulations are fear-inducing and prohibitionist in essence. They serve no real purpose except for attempting to pacify the non-consuming public's fear regarding cannabis. The retailing of cannabis also varies province by province. Some choose choosing the private sector, while other provinces have a fully government-controlled system. The rollout of retail in most provinces has been extremely slow, confusing, and lackluster. Alberta, which has the most 
retail progressive policy has seen the best results of legalization, while British Columbia has seen the lowest rate of conversion of consumers switching to the new legal system, showing a clear correlation between ease of access and the success of legalization. But how is all the, this newly crafted policy affecting the consumer? C45, or the Cannabis Act as it's known, allows every adult over the age of 18 to consume cannabis, possess up to 30 grams of legal cannabis, and grow four plants in their home for personal use. But it also introduced a litany of new offenses, everything from the distribution of illicit cannabis to driving under the influence has been regulated with severe punishments handed out to those who distribute to, to youth. In the case of an individual who is 18 years of age or older, distributing to youth can result in an imprisonment term of not more than 14 years. Of course, this was written as an extreme punitive measure to discourage youth consumption, but it has a ridiculous notion that giving cannabis to a child could result in a 14 year prison sentence making child pornography in canada has a maximum sentence of eight months 18 months what the what the heck yeah yeah um a list of material of kids of possession of that that should that should have like 50 or more it should not it should not result in 18 months it should have like decades worth of, of jail it's one of the most heinous crimes only gets 18 months where selling cannabis to a to someone under 18 gets you 14 years that's that's that, that's absurd from rules surrounding consumption medical patients rights workplace issues to our borders it's clear that normal canada has an even bigger than ever role to play in the Can canada cannabis regulatory reform we welcome the new normal of legalization with open arms and look forward to a fully legal future worldwide. End of article or end of speech. So I just want to add a few more things to that. Um, it already touched upon all the stuff I've been reading about in terms of Canada's legalization, how, you know, the, you know, Trudeau and, and, and them, and I'm, I'm just an American sort of talking about this. So I'm just, but, but how I've been seeing it from the outside is that Trudeau and, and, and company and the liberals or whatever wanted, they didn't want to make it legal because this could have medical benefits, but because they wanted to restrict and regulate access to youth. And it's what I've heard. It's what I've heard Jody Emery say many times. <coughs> Excuse me. But, um, but it's been restrict and regulate. So it's like, you know, this is an inherently dangerous substance. So we have to, we have to make it, we have to make packaging very strict or we have to, you know, you know, we can't, we can't advertise it too much. We can't let, we have to sanitize the cannabis culture. So we can't show, you know, cannabis leaves or cannabis flags or anything like that, you know, and, you know you're having it so so only these big corporations are having a, a chance at, at, at opening in a, in a given province a lot of the time and um the pioneers like like abby roach are, are being locked out 
and like Jody Emery are being locked out and you're just having it be corporate cannabis that that looks aesthetically you know pleasing or doesn't scare off the non-smoking public and you know she really put it into perspective and I feel that a lot that there's a lot of similarities to draw from in the United States you know the regulators in my state they would not allow cannabis delivery even though we have alcohol delivery they would not allow cannabis delivery to go through unless they were bought unless the delivery drivers had uh had a um g had gps on their car or whatever tracking them from from the cannabis storefront to to the place they're delivering and they have to have ca they have to have body cameras on them so our board our board is mostly staffed with anti-cannabis people with one pro-cannabis commissioner commissioner title that has been great that has been there's been the activist and has been the voice of reason but again her she oh it's always it's always a four to one vote it's she's always outvoted by the other four that that are only regulating to they're only regulating to make cannabis palatable to the people that don't like it much like the four commissioners that don't like it you know it's not being it's not it's culture isn't celebrated it isn't some something that can that that can be that can be used just regularly oh we have to put all these regulations oh we have to put all this red tape oh we have to not crack down on all these big cannabis people um consolidating the field like they are in Massachusetts and like they are in some provinces in Canada and producing overpriced expensive product much like Canada much like the part many provinces in Canada you know like like in, like in the states we have some states that have done it right we have Oregon which grows way more cannabis than it could consume and has $50 ounces $50 ounces and um I think 70 $50 ounces of of like I think like medium to low grade sort of cannabis and I think maybe it's like 100 or 150 for top shelf. I, I mean, I'm rusty on the numbers, but I do know you can get $50 ounces and $7 eights in, in Oregon or Colorado, which I mean, their prices aren't that sky low, but I think, I think, you know, 75 to $100 ounces are the norm there. $125 ounces are the norm. You know, they made it, they made it so they allowed as many of the legacy and black market people to get on board. And I think Oregon, from what I read, really, really prioritize that. They prioritize making it as simple and as, as inexpensive as possible for the black market and legacy market folks to get, to get into the fold. And I think more states could learn from that and they can learn from the things we've talked about with Alberta's way of handling legalization and the things we've talked about in, in terms of how Saskatchewan has been handling things and how they've been lowering the barrier of, barriers of entry to to keep cannabis talent you know in in the area and to encourage more to to want to join so I'm going to enclose those two episodes a couple of, of episodes about Canada's year and um, I hope you guys got a lot out of this peace out if you find yourself coming around often to my podcast and want to support our humble little project, there are a few ways that you can do so. Supporting us helps us keep the lights on, pay rent, pay for housing and equipment, and travel. You can do this by going to 
www.anchor.fm slash Sativa podcast slash support. You can also support me now on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Sativa podcast. You can also support the podcast for as little as $1 a month. If you are feeling extra generous, we have $5 and above tiers. Additionally, if you wish to get in contact with us, you can leave me a voice message on Anchor. You can do this by going to www.anchor.fm slash I am Cannabis Sativa podcast and click the send voice message button. And I may just play it on a future episode. You can also call and leave a voice message at the phone number 617 416-9389. That is 617-466-9389. And I may just play it on a future episode. If you are in need of some good CBD products, you can also check out Sequoia Organics for a great source of CBD and hemp products. You can check them out by checking out this link, um, www.bit.ly slash 33FKRV9. And you can try the following coupon codes. Dog Treat 20, Tincture 20, 40% sign off ISO, and 15% sign off CBD. And you can use those codes to get a discount on various CBD products on their website. And if you're looking to get inexpensive CBD flour delivered to your door quickly and cheaply in New England, check out bostonhempire.com where you can get frequent sales on CBD flour and other products such as tinctures and edibles as well too. Boston Hempire will get you cheap CBD flour delivered to your door in New England and the rest of the United States for a very, very good price. And I highly recommend their products too. Feel free to enter the URL HTTPS colon slash slash shop dot Boston dot com slash question mark REF equals D Scotland. Peace out and ciao.